0: Morning. morning, morning. Uh, nice day outside. <laughs> hey, let me ask you uh, a few questions. Let's say that you and I were walking out in the forest somewhere, and we're on a trail, and let's say we come across some wild berries. And I grab a bunch of the berries, and you say, hey, David, no, I mean, I, I don't think you should eat that. They could be poisonous. What if I just went, eh, no problem, Ugh, snarfed him down? What would you think? Probably think, God, I don't know about this guy. What if later... Let's say I don't die. Later on um, the same walk, we, we come to this bridge, an old rickety wooden bridge over a river. Maybe it looks something like this, right? And I say, hey, you know what? Let's go across. And you say, ah, David, I just don't know. Um, we, could, um, uh, we could die. Uh, and I say, uh, yeah, no big deal. Let's just, let's go. I'll go. What would you think? Let's say I somehow survive the bridge. We get across, and as we're walking along. A a man comes up to us and he says, you know what? Um, If you give me all of your bank account information right now, I can double your money in 10 days or less. And what if I just got out a pen and just started writing down all of my bank account information? What would you think? You would have some serious problems with my assumptions, right? You say, my friend, you, you are taking some pretty significant risks here. Some of them might even involve the possible loss of your life. You can't just assume that everything's going to be okay. If you're going to go forward in something, you just have to know more about it. Like, if you're going to eat those berries, for example, get like that new plant app. You guys seen this app um, where you, you hold it up to like a flower or a plant and it tells you what it is? I just can't even believe this exists. <laughs> I just love it. Maybe this only blows my mind, but this blows my mind, right? You might say, you need that to figure out if it's poisonous. You can't just eat. Or if somebody comes asking for your bank account information, uh, friend, you would need to do a ton of research before you just assume and hand that over to him. You can't just assume and go forward. Now, we know that, right? That's all sort of intuitive to us as human beings. Now, let me ask you something. If that's all true and that's all so obvious to us, why is it that most Americans have staked where they will be for all of eternity on an assumption? All right, Think about this. I want you to kind of put your thinking caps on. Reason with me on this. One day, everyone in this room will die. Right? Hopefully, I'm, I'm, uh, hopefully that's at like 105 for you, right? But we all know it's going to happen, right? We all will die someday, and you will then go somewhere. Now, the Bible says that's heaven or hell. And I would just ask you, do you know for sure where you are going? Or is it possible that you've actually been working off a lot of assumptions? See, I think the average American would actually say, no, I don't really know for sure, for sure. I've just kind of assumed that I'm going to heaven, and then they proceed to tell you their assumption. You know, I'm kind of a good person, or... I just, think about, I just want you to think about this logically. Is it not a significantly bigger risk to assume, without ever having studied it or looked into it, to assume where you're going to be for the next trillion years of your life? Isn't that a bigger risk compared to even taking a big risk with your money? And if you wouldn't risk your money on an assumption why would you risk your eternity? Perhaps if you're here this morning, you might be curious about what Jesus actually teaches about this. So let's open up a Bible together, and let's read what Jesus actually says. There's a Bible under every chair. I encourage you to open it up, look at it. That way you can know what I'm, if I'm, what I'm saying is actually what it says. Uh, we're going to be on page 862 this morning, uh, or you can use the Renovation Church app. You just have Bible in weekly verses. We're going to meet a man in this passage named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was skeptical of Jesus, but he was also sort of curious at the same time. And rather than just assume that he was right, he goes to investigate. And he's going to ask Jesus some questions. So, uh, page 862, we're on John chapter 3. That's uh, the big three there. And we're going to start at verse 1, which is that little number 1. Here's what it says. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Let's pause there just for a second. Now Nicodemus was what's called a Pharisee. Pharisees were sort of the religious leaders of Jesus' time. But most of the Pharisees were actually opposed to Jesus when he was on earth because they thought Jesus was too forgiving of people. But Nicodemus, he's still sort of intrigued by Jesus, and so he comes to him at night, it says. So he won't really be seen by other people, that he's actually going to talk to Jesus. And maybe that's kind of where you are right now. And maybe you're intrigued by Jesus. Maybe you've heard some good things about him. Um, Maybe you went to church growing up, even, and you still have some positive connotations of Jesus. But maybe, like Nicodemus, you're more of a come-by-night person, right? You're you're in this place where you're maybe spiritually curious, but you're not, it's not like you're going to go out on social media and say, hey everybody, uh, just want to let you know, I am looking for God, right? A lot of us just aren't in that place, but you're still sort of curious, and you don't know how to go forward in your curiosity, and so here you are at this family fun day-like event, right? But it's kind of like coming to Jesus at night, and I'll just tell you, whether you come in the day or at night, Jesus is just happy that you're coming. Okay, so let's look at how Jesus answers this curious skeptic. So let's go to verse 3 now. It says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Okay, so Jesus tells Nicodemus multiple times here that he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot really see God unless he's born again. Now, born again, that's a phrase, especially if you're, say, 40 plus, uh, you might know that's a phrase that's been thrown out all over the place in our culture. And I want you to just put out any of those sort of connotations out of your mind, and just look, we just got to look, what does Jesus mean when he says that phrase? What he's saying is that a person cannot truly experience God on earth, and they will not go to heaven even, unless they've been born again. Uh, Nicodemus, who's kind of an awkward guy, then really awkwardly says, like, yeah, but like, how am I getting back into my mom's womb? Because uh, it 's just like, I'm, I'm big and shit. <laughs> uh, okay, uh. but Jesus explains to Nicodemus that he's not getting it, right? This is verse six. That's where he says, okay, listen, flesh gives birth to flesh. So he's talking about your actual birth, your natural birth. That's a fleshly birth. But he's saying, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about spirit gives birth to spirit. This is a spiritual rebirth in your life. What we're talking about is God coming into your life in a relationship with you and rebirthing you on a spiritual level. Okay, but how does that happen? Well, we're going to come back to that in, in a little bit. But first, I, I just want to point out that Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, is going to have a hard time with this because he thinks there's no way that I would need to do anything else, that I would need to be born again to go to heaven, to see the kingdom of God. And why does he think that? Well, it's because of this. Okay, if there's anyone in this room right now that thinks they are a good person, right? Maybe you're a good person because you're a good citizen, like you're really involved in politics, or you're a good person because You kind of compare to everyone else in this room. You're actually like a good parent, right? Or you volunteer at your kid's school. Or you coach your kid's soccer team. You help your elderly neighbor. You kind of think of yourself as a good person. I can almost guarantee you that Nicodemus was a more moral person than any single person in this room. See, as a Pharisee, he would have spent his whole life studying and memorizing the Old Testament. That's the first half of the Bible. In fact, he would spend every waking moment trying to make sure that he could obey the 613 commands his leaders, as the Pharisees, would have given him on how to be a good person. 613 of them. And Jesus looks right at this guy, who's way more moral than any of us in this room, and he says, You, Nicodemus, you're not going to go to heaven. You can't really know God unless you are born again. Now, I didn't say that. That's not like some church's teaching. That's the teaching of Jesus Christ. It's right in the Bible in front of you. I mean, think about this. Jesus doesn't say, now, Nicodemus, it looks like, wow, you are pretty impressive. Now, if you just add a couple more good things, you start doing this, this, and this, and, well, it seems like you get angry once in a while at your kids. If you're going to take out this, this, and this, then I could see you maybe get into heaven someday. He's not talking about that. Nothing that Nicodemus has done counts. None of it will save him. Jesus is talking about a complete restart. Nicodemus needs to be born again. See, so many people wrongly think that Christianity teaches that you just need to be a good person. If you're a good person, then you go to heaven. I assure you that is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is almost the exact opposite of that. The Bible teaches that your good deeds will never be good enough to save you. And it's only by being born again, by having God come into your life, that you can be saved. See, in my life, I actually spent the first 18 years of my life uh, thinking uh, much like uh, Nicodemus. I always thought, especially when I was in high school, I thought, you know, if I just do enough good, then, you know, I'll go, I'll go to heaven someday. Now, I did plenty of awful stuff. But at the same time, I was always trying to, you know, watch this... Uh, Spectrum in my life, where okay, I'm doing some good stuff. Oh, I just did this weekend. That was bad. Uh, but if I just kind of, if I don't go wild, and somehow my good at the end of my life outweighs my bad, then certainly I would be going to heaven and not to hell. And I think a lot of Americans think like that. But when I opened up a Bible and I actually read it for myself, I learned that okay, even if I was holier than Mother Teresa for the rest of my life it wouldn't be enough to save me. And that was a jaw-dropping moment in my life. When I realized that the only way that I can be forgiven is to be born again, and change my life. But I- I'm actually not sure that enough people realize that this is the teaching of Jesus. In fact, 30 years ago, I, I might even say 10 years ago, I feel like a lot of people would answer and say, no, 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 the way I get to heaven is um, if I'm just kind of good enough. I don't kill anybody, you know, that sort of thing. In 2019, I'm not sure that most people even believe that anymore. Uh, More and more, what I hear people say when they talk about spiritual things nowadays in 2019 is they'll say something more like this. They'll say, "Mm, I don't think it actually even matters what I do at all because God just accepts me as I am, and he loves me. And thus, when I die, because he's a loving God, he will accept me into heaven. And perhaps maybe that's closer to what you think as you think about life after death. But I will tell you, as someone who studies the Bible, you also cannot find that teaching anywhere, anywhere in the Bible. One of the things I want to say to you today is, if you've never, if you're sort of staking your life on an assumption, and you've never actually read the Bible, I cannot encourage you enough to read it for yourself. In fact, that Bible under your chair—if you don't own a Bible—please, please, just take that with you today. Start reading it. You can start right here in the Book of John. It's a great place to start. But this, this sort of idea that's so common in our culture right now, that, you know, God is this loving God, he accepts me no matter what I do, if I kind of, even if I just sort of ignore him my whole life because he's a loving God, he'll forgive me and I'll go to heaven. Nowhere can you find that in the Bible. In fact, even in our just tiny little passage today, three times Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you're going to enter heaven, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again have you been born a second time? Have you invited God into your life? Or have you just kind of been, oh yeah, he's up here, I just need to please him. Have you invited him into your life? If you haven't been born again, if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ, I want you to realize that you're risking your entire eternity on the hope that Jesus was lying about this ever thought about that? You you, you would be risking the next trillion years of your life on the hope that Jesus was lying when he said, you must be born again. I'm just not sure we think critically enough about our assumptions, right? Maybe because it's hard to, maybe we don't want to go there. But let's just do it for a second, okay? Just play along with me. Okay, when you die, And you see Jesus on the great white throne, as the Bible describes, at Judgment Day. What if he says to you, you were not born again. You did not believe that I died for you. You did not give your life to me as a follower. And therefore you may not enter. Will you say to him, oh, Jesus, see... See, like, I just always assumed that because you're like this loving God that you would just kind of accept me. So how about, how about we just do it my way, okay? So you, you, you be loving for a second and you just kind of accept me and let, and, and let me. It's like when we think about it that way, right, we realize that what we think, that what we assume might happen is actually irrelevant, Okay, something very definite will happen when we die. It's not like there are a thousand different possibilities and all 1,000 different possibilities will each happen. I mean, that is ludicrous. Okay, that's ridiculous. It's illogical. Something very definite is going to happen when we die. And the most important task of your life is trying to figure that out. See, I think there are some people here today that say, I'll just be good enough, and then I'll get to heaven. And there are other people that say, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I can just live my whole life, and God will accept me, and I'll go to heaven. And there are still others here that say, no, my life has been a disaster. It's a mess. It's a wreck. And there's no way that God would forgive me to get to heaven. And I would say that is also wrong, and not the teaching of the Bible. Jump ahead to verse 16. It says this maybe you've seen this before, it says, for God so loved the world, as you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Uh, that means not go to hell, but have eternal life. You know what this means? Okay, this is why Christianity went from 12 random followers of Jesus to reach basically the ends of the earth. See, the teachings of Jesus Christ are you are never going to be good enough. In fact, your life is, for all of us, it's just kind of a mess. It's full of mistakes and bad choices and sin, sin that honestly deserves God's justice and wrath. But God, because he loves you, sent his own son Jesus to die on the cross in your place. And Jesus took the punishment that you deserved. And if you would believe in that, if you believe that Jesus died in your place, and you'd say, I want to become a follower of you, Jesus, then you wouldn't perish in hell because you wouldn't have to pay the justice for your sins. Jesus would have paid them for you on the cross. In fact, it's your faith in him that he died in your place, that he's your savior. That's what makes you born again. So when you're in this spot in your life, and you say, Jesus, I believe that you died in my place, that you're my Lord. I'm turning my life over to yours. That faith, that moment is what allows God to then come. In. The Bible teaches he will then come into your life. There's the spiritual rebirth that happens. You're born again, and God is in your life. And it will that moment, and sometimes it, it, that, that moment will change you forever. It's like you used to see in black and white, now you see in color. You used to feel all alone, now you have God in your life encouraging you and loving you. You used to feel like God is just some person up in the sky that you're trying to be good enough. Now you'll feel like you have a relationship with him. And he's talking to you and he's moving in your life because he's with you. That's what happens when you believe in faith and you are born again. See, I actually think this makes even more sense if you look at the verses around John 3.16. Now, uh, plenty of people might have heard John 3.16 before, but I think very, very few people have ever read the verses around it. So let's do it. We'll look to verse 14 now in your Bible. This is a Jesus. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, that's a title for Jesus, so you can put in Jesus, so Jesus must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. That's in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, I think those last words right, right here, whoever does not believe, that stands actually in stark contrast to how our American culture believes. We kind of have this idea that if I do nothing, I am accepted and saved. But the Bible's teaching is if you do nothing and you don't believe, you are actually condemned to hell. And that Jesus comes to earth as a savior to save you from that, to rescue you from that. So if you don't believe, then you're not born again, then you're not saved. To explain this kind of as a background, Jesus, I don't know if you saw this and went, what? In verse 14, there's this really weird phrase, right, where he says, he talks about Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness. What is that? Well, it's this true story from the Old Testament, So, Moses is out in the wilderness with the Israelites. And there's a whole, I don't know, what do you call a pack of snakes? Probably not a pack. I should really look that up. A throng uh, of snakes comes along, right? And all of the Israelites are getting bitten. They're poisonous. So, people are dying all over the place. And Moses is this godly man. So, he prays to God and he says, God, what do we do? Heal us. And God speaks to Moses. And he says, Moses, I want you to make this bronze snake. And I want you to wrap it around a pole and hold it up and if the people would look up at this snake that you have made then they would be healed and we hear that and we think that is what what—that's <laughs> kind of weird to our modern eyes right in our ears but what is he doing he's saying god is going to provide you a way to have life again and if you would believe in faith and look up to that it's like looking up to god i believe you can heal me you would have life now watch the parallel here. So let's go back to the actual Bible. Verse 14. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, right, so people could have life if they looked up to it, so the Son of Man, that's Jesus, so Jesus must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Okay, where was Jesus lifted up? Where was he lifted up? On the cross. He hoisted him up on the cross. What did he do on the cross? He died for our sins. And so what Jesus is teaching here is if you look up to Jesus on the cross in faith, you look up and you say, you know, what? I believe that you can save me, then you will be saved. And he will come into you, you will be born again, and you will have eternal life because you looked up to him as your savior. I mean, think about being born, okay? Okay children when you're born children can never be born by their own effort right one can't make themselves be born children are always born through the labor the pain and the blood of another you see that's actually the only way that you can be born again through the pain and the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. But you can't be saved. In fact, you will be dead in the poison of your sin if you don't look up to the Savior. See, I actually think to be born again, to to give your life to Jesus and say, I believe you died for me, I'm going to become your follower. Uh, See, I believe that actually takes an enormous amount of humility. That's what our whole series has been about. You maybe me saw that on the screen. Our whole series this month has been about how do, if we really want to follow God, we have to be humble. To, to, to be born again means you, you now have to come to God almost like a little child. It means that some of you in this room will have to say, God, I need to tell you today, I cannot save myself. God, I don't have this all figured out. God, I admit to you, I cannot fix my own life. I cannot get to you by my own good deeds. You died for me, I, I, I died to my old way of life. I surrender to you. It takes humility. But I just, I, I want to tell you there is no better choice in your life that you can make than just surrender your life to God. I mean, think about how much he loves you. God would see all of your sin. I mean, think about some of the worst things you've ever done. He saw it. He knows even your future mistakes. And yet he sent his own son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. Right? You can't just look at this and say, oh yeah, I believe. I just want to be saved so I can go to heaven and then continue your life as normal. Right? If that's where you're at, then you don't really believe. But if you truly believe that the son of God died for you, then you will live all of your days for him. You will be born again. And you get to be in this life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's kind of the offer that is before you today. And it does not get better than that. And so if you're here this morning, and you want to be born again, you want God to come into your life and forgive you so you can enter the kingdom, so you can really see God and go to heaven, you can do that today. In fact, let's just for a minute, let's just have everybody, would you just, humor me, would you just close your eyes just for a minute? Bow your head if you want to. If you want to make this decision today, to be born again, to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, to ask him to come into your life, I want you to do that today. If fact, in just a minute, if that's what you want to do, I'm going to have you quietly stand where you are. Because that's a real symbolic way in your life right now to just sort of draw the line in the sand and say, today, I believe, I want you in my life, I'm going to follow you. Uh, no one's going to be looking at you. Okay, so you kind of put that out of your mind right now. That's why I just had everybody close their eyes. But if you're here, and you know you need to be saved, you cannot save yourself, If I'm talking to you and you've never done this before and you'd like to become a follower of Jesus Christ and accept his salvation, accept his gift of forgiveness, I want you to just stand up wherever you are and accept that gift. Go ahead. Wherever you are. And stand up. If you're here And you just know, I need need to be saved. Even if you feel embarrassed, you're unsure, and this is the time to be saved, to let God come into your life. You cannot do this on your own. We will exist for billions of years. Do you need to be saved? Do you need Jesus in your life? If that's you, would you just stand? Wherever you are. If you feel that the Lord is just moving, God is maybe even moving in your heart, that's him, and just respond to him. Let me give you just maybe 10 more seconds to make this choice. Anyone else? Anyone who needs to stand? All right, if you are here and you feel like, I just need to follow Jesus, I— I want to encourage you to keep seeking him. Maybe you're at the point where you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to surrender my life to him. You, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is don't keep living on an assumption. Don't just assume that you will be saved. Start studying God's word for yourself. Take a Bible and start studying and looking what God can do. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to pray. I'm going to wrap up our message. And then we have just some announcements and a closing song for you. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much uh, that you would die for us. Yeah. That you would look at our, at our messed up lives and still send your son for us. We're just so grateful for that. And we just love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.